Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 9 of the World Beyond the West podcast. In today's episode, we are off to Delhi to examine India's rise to prominence as a world power, and to take a look at how Prime Minister Narendra Modi is capitalising on the major rifts between East and West to accelerate his nation's success. The US and China, the world's only real superpowers, are in the middle of an economic and technological arms race, while at the same time, Biden and his European allies are facing off with Russia and Vladimir Putin over the Kremlin chief's war in Ukraine. These huge geopolitical rifts and escalating tensions have given India all the impetus it needs to carve a path between East and West, shaking hands and doing deals with both sides, enjoying major profits in the process. But all things must come to an end, and Delhi cannot possibly hope to reap these rewards forever. Something is going to change, and India must be prepared for whatever that change may be to truly solidify itself as the next global power. Without any further ado, let's explore how India's relations with East and West have changed over time, learn how Modi perfected this balancing act of playing both simultaneously, and take a look at how Delhi's ties to the US and to Russia are likely to shift in the coming years. This is episode 9 of the World Beyond the West podcast. I hope you enjoy. In April, India made headlines worldwide as it surpassed China to become the most populous country on earth. Though high unemployment level remains a tricky problem to solve, India's young population, combined with its status as one of the world's fastest growing economies, have led many analysts to predict that the 2000s will be the Indian century. Now, India's evolution into a rising global power means it is being referenced ever more frequently in the same breath as Russia, China and the United States. But unlike those superpowers, who are locked in fierce ideological, economic and in some respects military competition, India finds itself in a privileged position and is making the most of it. Uncle Sam is desperate to capitalise on a period of warm relations by cementing India as a close partner and a future strategic ally, hoping to leverage its sheer size, as well as its geographically and economically strategic positions, to counteract China. Russia, meanwhile, has shared decades of largely positive ties with India and is intent on keeping it as close as possible as Indian rupees flow into Moscow's sanction-stricken coffers in exchange for huge quantities of oil and gas at a hefty discount. The current Indian government, under Prime Minister Narendra Modi, has proven extremely adept at leveraging the competing interests of East and West, much to its own benefit, and has so far managed to navigate a path between them without alienating one or the other. But how exactly is Delhi managing to pull all this off? And how long can it last? To answer those questions, we first need to understand how India's relationships with the US and Russia have evolved over time, and what changes occurred in India's domestic political landscape that encouraged Modi's government to adopt such an opportunistic strategy on the world stage. India-US relations have traversed a fascinating and at times rocky road, but the two nations are now firm friends. The US lent crucial support to India's struggle against colonial rule in the run-up to independence in 1947, but the new Prime Minister, Jawaharlal Nehru, then set about pursuing a foreign policy that centred around non-alignment. Delhi committed to follow a doctrine of mutual non-aggression, 
respect for the sovereignty of all territories, and peaceful cooperation without close association. The aim was to guard its independence and prevent it from being dragged into a polarised conflict between major powers. In 1950, it became one of the first signatories of the Non-Aligned Movement, a group which still exists today and espouses these ideas. But throughout the 50s and 60s, it developed a closer relationship with the Soviet Union, and by the 1970s began its first nuclear weapons tests, which really stoked tensions with the US. Not even the collapse of the Soviet Union was able to entice India and America into working more closely together through the 90s, and Washington later hit India with more economic sanctions after it conducted a series of underground nuclear tests in 1998. By the 2000s though, Indo-US relations were beginning to thaw. Under the administration of President George W. Bush, who was extremely popular among Indians by the way, with sky-high approval ratings, Delhi and Washington began to forge new strategic agreements which facilitated increased cooperation. America's global war on terror in the wake of the 9-11 attacks incentivized closer cooperation in defense and counterterrorism, while India's promising economic trajectory encouraged the US to pursue bilateral agreements in trade and energy. The signing of the Civil Nuclear Agreement in 2008 was one particular watershed moment. It created the foundation for the US and India to cooperate on nuclear technology and authorized transfers of nuclear fuel and technology to Delhi for civilian projects. This reversed decades of American nuclear non-proliferation policy and legitimized India as a nuclear power. Fast forward to 2023, and America is now India's largest trading partner. The pair racked up a whopping $128.5 billion in the last fiscal year in commerce, and they also enjoy a multifaceted relationship based on mutual interests in security, trade, and regional stability. India's relationship with Russia and the Soviet Union before it is one that's endured the test of time. It has weathered the storm of the Cold War, significant political shifts and the dissolution of the Soviet Union, and demonstrated the depth of an enduring friendship spanning economic cooperation, defence ties and cultural exchanges. Trade between India and the Soviet Union was flourishing even well before the Cold War, when the Soviet Union had undergone a period of relative economic liberalisation in the years following Stalin's death in 1953. Then in the Cold War era, India and the Soviet Union forged a closer relationship. Though India's non-alignment policy prevented it from siding really strongly with one superpower or another, the Soviet Union provided considerable support to India, both economically and militarily. The pre-existing ties were strengthened when the two countries signed the Treaty of Peace, Friendship and Cooperation in 1971, and the Soviet Union later that year was willing to lend its military support to India amid a short-lived December war with Pakistan. India returned the favour almost a decade later and refused to condemn the Soviet Union's military intervention in Afghanistan, despite widespread criticism from the US, China and Pakistan. These events brought the duo closer together, and the Soviet Union became the leading provider of arms to India, which has a major impact on today's landscape in 2023. The International Institute for Strategic Studies assesses that more than 90% of armoured vehicles, 69% of combat aircraft and almost half of the Navy ships operated right now by the Indian Armed Forces are Russian supplied, and most of that is Soviet era tech that's been maintained and upgraded. As Russia transitioned into a new era amid the collapse of the Soviet Union, the two nations maintained positive relations and in 2000, newly minted President Vladimir Putin visited Delhi to sign the Indo-Russian Strategic Partnership. This saw a raft of agreements on everything from political, security, defence, 
trade and economy, science and technology take effect, as well as renewed efforts to revitalize cross-cultural recognition and activities. Ten years later, then-Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, with Putin stage-managing everything from his position as Prime Minister, of course, travelled to India to cement that partnership. Now, though India has pursued a much closer relationship with the US as of late, Delhi and Moscow still maintain close links, particularly in the economic and defence realms, with bilateral trade between the two nations reaching an all-time high in 2022. By the turn of the millennium, India's long-standing policy of non-alignment had begun to show its limits. The policy generally functioned as intended in the second half of the 20th century, allowing India to develop good relations with the Soviet Union, despite its commitment to maintain equidistance from major powers. But in the post-Cold War era, the dissolution of the USSR, China's developing strength, and India's rapidly expanding population necessitated a shift towards a more proactive and pragmatic approach to foreign policy. By the time India's current Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, ascended to office in 2014, India was already turning away from non-alignment, and Modi quickly set about ushering in an era of strategic autonomy. Strategic autonomy has its roots in the non-aligned movement, in that it maintains a commitment to making sure that India's decision-making remains free of external pressures. But it encourages a far deeper engagement with the international community, allowing Delhi to forge strategic partnerships, and most importantly, exploit key geopolitical tensions for India's benefit. The foreign policy doctrines of any country are largely an extension of the governing administration's domestic values and objectives. And under Modi, India has been ruthlessly committed to economic and technological development. At home, initiatives like Make in India and Digital India were introduced. These were efforts to supercharge industrialization, reward entrepreneurship and boost GDP while attracting foreign investment and recent years have seen Modi's government work to urbanise India's vast rural population as well. These efforts have made India one of the world's fastest growing economies, as Modi's party, the BJP, intent on cementing India's position as a rising global power, has built its foreign policy on the principle of strategic autonomy to complement those domestic priorities. Modi started close to home. One of the linchpins of his prime ministerial campaign was the policy of neighbourhood first, the notion that India cannot possibly achieve these lofty goals alone and must become a regional hub of commerce and economic prosperity by taking the lead in fostering cooperation among its neighbours. This formed the basis of Modi's Act East initiative, which saw him tour South and East Asian nations in his first few months in office, with India taking on a leading role in forums like the South Asian Association for Regional Cooperation and, get ready, the Bay of Bengal Initiative for Multi-Sectoral Technical and Economic Cooperation, which is a bit of a mouthful. His approach has unquestionably improved India's influence, and has seen it emerge as a leader of developing nations in the Global South, a primary goal of his government. It's also served to redress regional economic and defence shortcomings that were exploited by China during India's non-alignment era. But, as we're about to explore, the principle of strategic autonomy has also allowed India to exploit geopolitical developments and reap huge benefits on a global scale. Today's geopolitical landscape is characterised by great power rivalries and major international rifts. The two largest economic superpowers, the US and China, are spiralling into an ever more intense economic and military competition. Beijing's soaring investments in the Central Asia, the Middle East, Africa and South America its expansionist tendencies in the South China Sea, and aggressive rhetoric in relation to Taiwan, have proven cause for grave concern in the White House. 
At the same time, the US and the European Union are facing off with Russia as a result of Putin's war in Ukraine. The Western allies may not have deployed troops, blasted Russian MiGs out of the skies or sunk Putin's warships, but in every other sense they are effectively at war with Moscow. Together, the US and the EU have contributed billions in military funding for Ukraine and have introduced a raft of sanctions designed to cripple the Russian economy and drain Putin's war chest. With these conditions in place, India's approach to foreign policy of late has exemplified a highly opportunistic form of strategic autonomy. Modi's government is deftly walking a tightrope, extracting huge benefits from its relationship with East and West, almost ruthlessly so, but doesn't commit itself one way or another. On the Western side, India's played upon Washington's wariness towards Beijing and positioned itself as an essential regional partner. Fearful of China's technological dominance, Washington and Delhi announced a joint initiative of critical and emerging technologies, known as ISET. This will see the US make considerable investments in India's telecommunications and technology industries, but will allow India to maintain control over their manufacture under the Make in India campaign. The two territories will also cooperate on research into AI, quantum computing and semiconductor technology. Washington has also bumped up its supply of US arms to Delhi to record levels in an attempt to wean India's armed forces off their dependence on Moscow's weaponry. The White House capitalized on the increasing technological obsolescence of Russia's defense output and the Kremlin's inability to meet its arms delivery commitment to Delhi because of the Ukraine war. India, meanwhile, is taking more of a commanding role diplomatically. It participates in the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, more commonly referred to as the Quad, which sees India converse on equal footing with America, Australia and Japan on security issues in the Indo-Pacific, although it's widely seen as an international pact just to monitor China. The White House is set to welcome Modi for in-person talks later this month, with Biden then expected to make the return trip in September, when India hosts the G20 conference. But Modi has no interest in a world commanded by US hegemony, and India cannot live up to its promise as a future global leader if the world is dominated by only one power. So, while Delhi signs new arms deals with Washington, meets to discuss how to manage China, and reaps the rewards of an all-time high in Indo-US trade and investment, Modi continues to massage his relationship with the Kremlin. The Indian Prime Minister has called for peace in Ukraine, and told Zelensky at the G7 summit in Hiroshima last month that his country will do whatever it can to end the crisis. But Delhi has remained silent on the war and has abstained from any United Nations resolutions condemning Russia's actions, highlighting its commitment to neutrality and its historic ties to Moscow. In economic terms, not only has Delhi refused to join the sanctions targeting Moscow, but it's capitalized on Europe's move to end its energy dependency on Russia by becoming the leading importer of Russian oil and gas. More than 20% of crude oil imported by India comes from Russia, up from just 2% two years ago, and they import it at a considerable discount. In what is arguably the most opportunistic move of all, India takes that crude oil, refines it, and then sells the products in the form of jet fuel and diesel to Europe and the US. This helps Russia to evade the crushing blows of sanctions and also allows India to pocket some extra dosh in the process. The BBC claimed that India was saving about $89 per tonne of crude oil imported from Russia last year, thanks to these discounts. And a report by the Centre for Research for Energy and Clean Air found that India was exporting some 1,600,000 barrels of diesel per day in March 2023. That's triple the quantity of exports from just one year ago.
When it comes to defence and security, India might participate in the Quad, but it's equally involved in the Shanghai Cooperation Organisation, headed up by Russia and China. And though Delhi has branched out to purchase more arms from the likes of the US and France in recent years, Russia still accounts for the majority of India's defence imports. Moscow continues to help maintain and upgrade India's existing Russian-made stock, and provides licences to allow Modi's weapons manufacturers to produce their own version of Russian-designed defence equipment. As things stand, there is no reason whatsoever for India to change its approach to foreign policy, and Modi's government will continue to take advantage of the war in Ukraine, the resulting tensions between East and West, and the US's desire to monitor China. But as India seeks to consolidate its position as leader of the Global South, cement ties with South Asian and Pacific Island nations, and reinforce its security vis-à-vis -vis China, Modi's government is more likely to focus on fostering cooperation with the United States and Europe instead of Russia. It's foolish to expect Delhi to completely cut ties with Moscow because Russia is very useful politically. India can count on Russia's support at the UN and Moscow is a source of cheap and readily available oil and gas. Delhi is also heavily reliant on Moscow for its defence needs and must maintain positive relationships with the Kremlin to ensure its armed forces aren't compromised. But it is undeniable that Russia's current trajectory under Putin has seen the Indo-Russian relationship become increasingly transactional, and Moscow's new status as kind of a junior partner to Beijing is not one that Delhi enjoys. The US, on the other hand, is crucial in strategic terms for counterbalancing China and for India's economic and technological modernization. Modi knows, though, that it's in America's interests to become firm economic and military partners with India, and therefore knows that he's in a privileged negotiating position. Washington cannot order India to abandon or change its relationship with Russia, and must be willing to accept Delhi's rise to prominence as a global power centre if it's to truly forge a strong alliance against China. With this in mind, we are likely to see India and the US grow ever closer in coming years, while Moscow becomes more of a supplier of resources, and nothing more than a political backstop for Delhi. That's all for today folks, episode 9 of the World Beyond the West podcast is in the bag. I really enjoyed the preparation for this episode. Um, researching India's rise on the global stage was genuinely fascinating for me, and I was surprised to learn just how closely linked India was with the Soviet Union. Um, I suppose it remains to be seen whether these historic links can save the relationship long term, uh, but time will tell. I'd also like to say a big thank you to two of my colleagues, Debs and Nishan, who were invaluable in giving me their insights into this topic and uh, helping me to refine my approach. So thanks very much, guys. I hope you're listening. And just before I go, I'd like to remind you that World Beyond the West is now available on YouTube, as well as Substack, where we began. Uh, take a look, have a search, and if you find me, hit the subscribe button when you get the chance. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again soon. Bye.